Do we go? We can start? <laughs> okay, cool. Fierce. I, ex- I don't know why I expected a ceremony, but I guess let's, <laughs> let's do this, shall yes. we? Okay. Yes. All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Generation the Podcast, the audio companion to the HBO Max original series, Generation. I'm Wembley Sewell, the editor-in-chief of Them, a publication for and by the LGBTQ plus community. Every single day at Them, we cover stories that celebrate the folks who are making our world a bolder and more beautiful place by standing in their truth. And I couldn't be more excited about a show like Generation, which does the same thing in an entirely different way. Yes, and I am Gigi Good. You may know me from a popular television drag competition series known as RuPaul's Drag Race. If you don't, I'm just a little old drag queen from Los Angeles, and I am so excited. I think this show has so many important things to talk about, and I cannot wait to really get to the bottom of these conversations. Today, we are going to be interviewing Zelda Barnes and her dad, Daniel Barnes, co-creators of Generation. And Diva, I am so excited. We will also be talking to Justice Smith, who stars as Chester. But first, Miss Wembley, Miss Darling, dearest baby doll, can we please talk about the episode? What did you think? I mean, Gigi, where do I where do I begin? Sapphic where do you pining. begin? Sapphic pining, bisexual yes. brothers, gay dads. What's not to love? <laughs> like, what's not to love? Literally. I think for most of the episode, my jaw was on the floor. Yes, mm-hmm. there are some wild moments that may have caused me to 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 do so, but I think it, mostly I was just so emotionally energized, you know, by the characters and the world that the show created. So I, I'm I'm floored, you know, obsessed already, and like I said, excited excited to get into it. Exactly. It is only episode one, and we have uncovered many, many aspects to these characters' lives and their development, and I can only imagine how much more there is to find out. So let's just get into this, shall we? All right. Zelda, I would love to kick it off with you, because you began writing the show when you were just 17. Wow. We are so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and be doing this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And and you created the show with your dad. Hello, the director, Daniel Barnes. Welcome to the podcast. So, so excited to be talking to you for so many different reasons. You have no idea how happy I am to be here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And the first person we really get to know in the series is Chester, played by the incredible Justice Smith. Um, so we're so lucky to have you here today. I'm so happy to be here. I can't even say how excited <laughs> I am to be here. <laughs> so I want to dive right in with you, Zelda, and I want to talk about Chester, of course. Here's him introducing himself to Sam, the new high school guidance counselor. You know, we're supposed to call teachers by their last names. Call me Mr. Fanger if it feels more comfortable. I've always been a bit on the fence about it. What can I do for you? You have to sign my slip. After you make sure that I understand the consequences of having things like multiple dress code violations on my high school record. Okay, Chester, do you understand the consequences? 
three more and I am suspended and waterboarded and put to death or something. Thing is, I am a star water polo player with a 4.1 GPA and my tolerance for giving a fuck is like minimal. I did that scene so many times in so many <laughs> different variations. Because that was the audition scene. That was the yeah, it was. screen oh, test scene. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. that scene in and out. It's like burned into my brain <laughs> in, in the greatest way. It is. It's burned in there. Because from the moment you meet Chester, you're absolutely hooked. His debut, if you will... I think is one of my, like, favorite introductions to a character of all time. So hats off to you, Justice. <laughs> but I want to know, Zelda, what is your inspiration for this fabulous and, if I may, instantly <laughs> iconic character? Yeah, there were there were definitely a lot of inspirations. And I think probably the first one for me, when I was in high school, when I was, I think, maybe eighth grade or a freshman, there was this older student who I think was a senior when I was an eighth grade or a freshman. And they were the student body president of the senior class. And they were also very openly queer. And they were very popular. And they were so well known. And they would actually perform in drag for our entire school sometimes. And they were just so incredibly open about their sexuality and who they were and they were so empowered and everyone loved them for that and they never were really like bullied for being queer I don't know that was something that was amazing for me to see as an eighth grader kind of realizing that I might be bisexual too I think that for a lot of the younger queer community in our high school seeing a student like that who was so incredibly empowered and just owned who they were I think that that was really really special for all of us and I wanted to kind of create a character that reflected something like that and a character who is similar in a lot of ways and also very different in a lot of ways and Chester has obviously become his own person and his own character while we've been writing him and obviously when Justice brought all of his brilliance and talent into this character that I would definitely say that that student was a big inspiration for Chester initially. As a parent and child, which for those of you who don't know, Daniel is a gay dad to um, Zelda. And you have another child, right? Yes. Yeah, I have a little brother. <laughs> so, and from what I understand, you're all a part of the queer community, right? Oh, yeah. We are a big queer family. Yes, whole family is queer. That to me is so like it's so unheard of and it's there it's it's coming closer and closer to the surface more and more. But it's just like such an honor to be able to talk with two people who who share family values, but in the light that people like us have shared it in our created families. It's really amazing to see that duality. So what I want to know is why take that sort of theme of that like teen drama show and turn it into this? Yeah, I definitely think I for a long time felt like I wasn't seeing myself and my friends reflected in media, specifically on TV shows. Um, I feel like a lot of queer storylines oftentimes queer characters' narratives are driven simply by their queerness and by their sexuality. And I wanted to see a show where there could be queer characters who had a lot of other things going on besides their sexuality and whose narratives weren't necessarily driven by the fact that they were gay. And so um, in talking about all of these things with my dad, I think specifically a high school setting is really interesting because it is specifically in the high school setting, I think, where a lot of shows depict queer kids getting bullied for being queer or it's about like queer romance or it's a coming out story. And we wanted to show queer teenagers who n didn't necessarily only experience storylines that were related to their queerness. 
And Gigi, you know, what you said about family, I think, is so true for this show. We also wanted to tell a story about queer youth who come together as a kind of chosen family. And that's sort of one of the really beautiful arcs that we're watching over the whole course of the season. Yeah, it's amazing. And and you can really clearly see it through a lot of the characters. And one in particular is Greta, who I can see where she contributes to the chosen family setting through her experience with her family, which is very complicated and very real. And I think they're all drawn together by this understanding that they have these similarities spoken or otherwise. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing, especially when you're at that age, like knowing that there's something there and you can see that and identify it in someone else, but you don't have to put a name on it. I obviously, you know, at them, we cover all of the latest news and like all of the things that we're seeing that are trends or things like that. And there was just a study done by, you know, a new Gallup poll that dubbed Gen Z the queerest generation ever. But on the other, you know, other side of the coin, Gen Z is also the generation that's like, I don't give me any labels. I'm I'm good over here. Like, thanks. I'll figure it out for myself. So I would love to hear kind of from all of you what it feels like to be a part of a show and create a world in which it is a celebration and exploration of fluidity. I think to me, that's the thing that really resonates the most, that it is a very fluid community of folks and friends, ultimately. You know, when we were first conceiving of the show, one of the things I think that was so amazing and funny and crazy about it was, you know, Ben and I, my husband, Zelda's other dad, went like almost overnight from feeling like this super cutting edge, like gay, like dad's kind of, you know, thing to feeling like so old because Zelda would come home and start, you know, and she was starting to educate us about what it looked like to be queer in this moment. And learning all of these new words and what it meant to be scoliosexual and, and demigender and, and, and on, on all these things. And it was so interesting to us how there was this like concurrent need for kids to not be pigeonholed, not be put in a box, but also to be identified and named correctly. And there was something that was so interesting in that kind of contrast that we really wanted to explore within the show. And the other thing that you said that I really just wanted to come back to for a second was this theme of connectedness, because that is the core theme of this whole show. And it's true for every single character about their desire to be connected to other queer youth, to their families. And in particular, it's really interesting, I think, for the character of Chester. And I want Justice to talk about this, too, because there's something very beautiful and profound about the theme of queer loneliness and here is this character who is like, in some ways, at the epicenter of it all. You see it from the opening moments when he struts through that campus and, and everybody's kind of in love with him. And then as you sort of peel away the layers, you see this really profound and kind of beautiful loneliness that is at the core of him. And that complexity of character was something that we were excited to write. But it is truly Justice's brilliance that has like brought that out in all of its like multi-layered glory and that like never ceases to make us like cry. I, that is very sweet, Daniel, and and is a huge, um, you know, it's it, it just is emblematic of your humility because I really feel like it's in the writing. You know, I 
I always kind of in all these like interviews that I'm doing right now for the show, I'm I'm lauding Zelda and Daniel's bravery in showcasing the complexity of a character who conventionally would be viewed as superficial. I, I feel like when we're confronted with with like characters who are bold and loud and effervescent in, in our in our day-to-day life, we view them as like lacking of profundity. You know, it's like the kid in the back of the class who writes poetry is so much more complex than the kid who's like in the middle of the quad t- doing a strip tease, you know? <laughs> and I think like it's so beautiful that that like our amazing writers kind of were like, no, these people have just as much complexity as, you know, and just as much loneliness as that kid who kind of like sits in the corner and doesn't want to be seen. You know, uh, I, I really like the juxtaposition between and this was a realization that I had fairly recently, and I texted Daniel about this, but how, like, Chester's provocation, Chester's, you know, uh, like, colorful self, his outfits, his, the way he uses his words, the, his energy is, is, a, is a deep expression of who he is. You know, he, he would rather die than, than not be authentic. And it's the juxtaposition between that and then how all of his heart on his sleeveness is intimidating to other people and and pushes people away but not of his own intention so Chester constantly struggles with this idea of authenticity and desperation you know like th- this push and pull between how can i stay true to myself but also someone love me for this <laughs> like yes. how be loved All so of deeply it. totally i just want to say that Chester the character Chester is who i was in high school and for you to say, like, would rather die than not stand out. Like, I remember having arguments with my parents being like, if you ever send me to a school that requires uniforms, like, I'm running away from home. I'm never going to wear a uniform. You can't make me. Like, I would wear the craziest stuff to school just because that's how I felt comfortable within myself. So I really relate to that character. And Justice, I want to get deeper into Chester with you, more so Chester in relation to you as Justice and and the connections there. So what I really want to know is what did you bring to the role that you think that only you could as an actor, as Justice? And Zelda and Justice, what was it like working together to bring this character to life? Um, you know, when I originally auditioned for the show, I auditioned for the guidance counselor who was originally, it was originally a different part. And the audition scene for that was, um, the scene in the, in the guidance counselor office. And I remember after I didn't get the guidance counselor, because Daniel was like, that was terrible. I don't want to ever see you. <laughs> Literally <again."> untrue. Um, <laughs> not true. Not true at all. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, after I didn't get that, my friend was like, you should go in for the role of Chester. And I was like, one, I don't, I don't know if I really want to play high schoolers right now. I was kind of trying to like play my own age, you know. And two, I was like, I know this guy. I've seen so many people like Chester, they're going to find the guy, you know, and they didn't find the guy. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go in. Why not? And I, I remember being in that audition room and just kind of like letting the words inhabit my body and instantly like tapping into something that I was like, oh, this is so much fun. Like I've never played anything like this before. And I feel like I have so much reference for this in my life. Like every time I play Chester, I always I, I say I, I always play my sister and my and a, an amalgam of my sister and my little brother. In addition to the the people that I've met in 
my real life that who I relate to Chester. Uh, it's like an amalgamation of all these kind of like references that I have. And, and I, I was like grateful that I was like, I actually have a, a like I have source material for this. So it wasn't a, a stretch or something that I really needed to find. Although I will say in research for this, I watched every single season of Drag yes. Race, including <laughs> All-Stars, including the international yes. seasons, every single season. And I also watched um, almost every single season of America's Next Top Model, yes. which oh my is gosh. how I got the walk <laughs> the walk in the beginning to the You better song. shut up because, I, I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> this character is, is someone who would spend hours and hours and hours binging these shows. Like, these would be Chester's, yes. like, deities and, you know, and you can see that. <laughs> yes. And so it's funny, like, w- watching um, past interviews of you and, and past projects you've been a part of, you and Chester seem not very similar in terms of personality, the way that you dress, the way that you carry yourselves, not better or worse, just completely different. And so watching worse. it on the no, screen... No, just say it, Gigi, worse. Just shut up, worse. Shut I up. dress worse. Than <laughs> okay. But just watching it on the screen, I like. I, I have to commend you on your performance because it feels so real Thank and you. like true. And um, Do you mind if I just jump in for one second? I'm so sorry because I have to, first of all, tell our version of that audition story <laughs> before it goes away. Because it's a show that's all about perspective Please. and seeing different things. So first of all, he did audition for the other role. We did see it and we turned around and said, he's not right for this role, but please, we begged him to come in and audition for Chester. And he did. And he did a scene that we subsequently revised, but it takes place during a lockdown drill. And in that scene, Chester was getting really, really, really stressed out and anxious. And I wanted to say that when we were watching that scene, I literally cried. And I have never cried watching an audition before the like sensitivity and nuance was so extraordinary and then you know justice went away and did all this like research and stuff for the for the role and whatever and (laughs) came back in and i remember we had one of our final costume fittings it was right before we were about to shoot and um he left the costume fitting and he was like bounding through our pre-production offices and ended up in the couch in my office in in full costume and it was suddenly like there was this other person who was sitting there that was Chester. And it was this incredibly magnificent moment. And so it's so funny when I hear people talking about like, oh, your performance is so good. It's almost like it's not a performance because the way that he inhabits the role is so true and bleeds out over, you know, when a take ends. Every once in a while, Justice will, like, show up in, in ADR, you know, for, like, ADR, and he'll kind of, like, be in his, like, regular voice. And I'm like, wait, who is that person? <laughs> <laughs> Dana, that is very sweet. I'm, I'm blushing the whole time. I don't know. I- well, buckle up, sister. <laughs> Make him blush. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we should get into it. I want to talk about these looks. They keep coming up over and over again. I think yes. we need to nod to this wardrobe and the styling and the oh, yes. makeup because all of the looks were incredible. Like, where did you all pull inspiration for that from? Because, I mean, stunning. Well, we had written into the Shirley script. Shirley Carada. That- 
Okay, yeah, it's, okay. it's Shirley. It's all Shirley. Shirley Carada. Carada. It's all yeah. Shirley. <laughs> and, you know, and we had written into the um, first draft of the script that he was going to be wearing a tube top. <laughs> and that was like, we just knew that it was going to be something that was outrageous. And then Shirley Carada, who is a literal genius. She's yes. our costume designer. She's a literal genius. It was like, okay, it's not a tube top. is not going to be what you want. You're going to want this. And it was like a crop top. And it was... Perfect. It's perfect storytelling. By the way, she does perfect storytelling for every character. I mean, Chester yeah. is obviously probably the most fun to design for, but every character story is told so specifically through their wardrobe, even if their wardrobe is super basic. But I will tell you the funny thing about Chester's costume is Chester's, um, well, Justice's motto is always more skin. Yes. <laughs> That's what he always tells. I'm like, Shirley. sluttier, sluttier, sluttier. Fairs, 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 yes. Um, I will say, though, like, uh, it got to, Shirley Carada is absolutely a genius, and, and the pieces that she pulls for Chester are just, like, every time I enter that room, I'm like, this is a playground, and I'm having so much fun. <laughs> and I, I got to a point where I was, like, really vocal in the, in the fitting room because I, you know, I started to internalize Chester's aesthetics and, like, making sure that every single piece that he wears, every single ring that he wears, every single bracelet that he wears is an expression of himself. Because like, you, you know, through this process, I learned about how much fashion is, is an art form. Fashion is storytelling. So I wanted to make sure that it's like when he wears an outfit on that day, what is the story that he's trying to tell about himself on that day? But it would get to the point where me and Shirley would go crazy. And we would get to say, and I was like, this is a 17-year-old kid. He would never look like... We're like, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. Like, we were like dressed for the runways in Paris. And he's like, no. <laughs> Here's another detail, though, that I think is so amazing. So so not only did, did they have those conversations about the wardrobe, but it extended to the other things like face masks that we have to wear on set like justice and shirley created like special chester face masks yes. like the warming coats that he wears yes. like things are all like yes. fully decorated in chester fashion like yes they bedazzled <laughs> yes. yeah our wardrobe team bedazzled his like warming coat that he puts on whenever it's cold it's amazing it's just like yeah, i wouldn't wear brilliant. i wouldn't wear it otherwise because i was being, i was being a little cocky i wouldn't wear <laughs> i wouldn't wear it otherwise and so i was like freezing on set so one of our wardrobe assistants, um, Jasmine, she she bedazzled my warming coat for me, which was very sweet. Very, very nice. Honey, my motto is fashion over function always. So, <laughs> um... <laughs> So we are currently talking about episode one of the HBO Max series, Generation. And we are going to get into a lot more after a quick break. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're talking to Generation creators Zelda and Daniel Barnes and Justice Smith, who stars as Chester. So I want to I want to switch gears a little bit, just a little bit, um, because while there is so much life and and levity and so much excitement and obviously, you know, the show in and of itself is a feast for your eyes. There's also, you know, a weight to it. There's heaviness. You are dealing with a lot of, you know, really, really heavy themes that to Gigi's earlier point, you don't really get to see in in shows that center this age group. And I want to take a second to acknowledge specifically Chester's relationship to the school counselor, Sam. At this point, you know, in episode one, we don't know how Sam identifies. 
But you get the sense that Chester and, and, and Sam, they just, they get each other. They're kind of on the same wavelength. You know, their energies, you know, there's something there that there's just a click. And definitely some intrigue. And midway through the episode, Chester sends this picture to Sam of himself on the rooftop saying this is what loneliness looks like. And Sam calls Chester, um, you know, saying that he was worried that Chester was going to hurt himself and that he needs to do something about it. And I would love to play that clip. Send a picture like that? I'm doing something about it. I have to. No, you don't. I have to. Okay, I love me a good savior complex, but you're really pushing it. I know people who try to hurt themselves. I don't mess around with stuff like this. Um, well, that's not me. I am relieved to hear it, but I still like to meet with you. You said this is what loneliness looks like. Meaning it's fucking beautiful. Um, yeah. I'll meet with you Monday. I appreciate you being honest. No one ever is. I'll always be honest with you. You just might not always like it. Bye. So, I mean, there's there's a lot there. I get I get chills, like, even yes. So, while at this point, again, episode one, we don't know what's in store for the two of them. But I have to say, even in that context, like, it's so refreshing to see two Black men have really frank conversations about mental health and masculinity. I was wondering, Justice, can you talk a little bit about the dynamic that Chester and, and Sam has, uh, have, excuse me, and, and what that means to, to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, without giving too much away uh, about where the relationship goes, I think in this episode, you know, Chester, like I was saying before, has this problem with coming across as provocative and intimidating and 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 like he has an arm out to the to the rest of the world and he meets this guidance counselor who is one black and that is a very rare thing in Anaheim California yes. I, I like and I know that because I, that's my hometown but um so instantly th- there's that connection of seeing like a black older figure and and he suspects you know w- it, it's that queer little knowing knowing <laughs> He suspects that as well. And I and I think that Chester is really fascinated by that at first, but still wants to put Sam to the test to see if he's just going to respond to him like everybody else does. And Sam immediately can dish it back like he can can he he, he, he can handle Chester. He, he's he has a back and forth with Chester. He he's not intimidated by Chester. He like even when Chester tries to push it and get get in, gets in his personal space, like Sam knows exactly how to balance that out and seeing that that is possible like it's just one of the first instances in 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 which Chester's experienced something like that and so that kind of breeds more fascination and and connection between him and Sam or at least on, on Chester's part and i think that when Sam like starts to talk about the loneliness thing about going to um Tokyo and he tries to connect Chester about this idea of loneliness and how he he would ne- he'd never feel that lonely again as he did in Tokyo and and Chester immediately recognizes what he's doing that 
he's no longer um, kind of meeting Chester at his level. He's trying to talk down to Chester. Chester sees that as a challenge because he was like in the throes of like, oh, this this is a person I I can like have this tennis match with, and then now all of a sudden he's trying to like condescend to me and and I want to get back to kind of how we met like like a few seconds ago and so I think when he's on the roof and he sends him that picture he's like this is how deep I am like this is this is what real loneliness looks like you want to talk about loneliness you want to actually have a conversation about this like see see me for who I am you know don't don't try to patronize me um did, did i just i just narrate everything that happened or did i answer your question <laughs> no, I think one. You, <laughs> no i think you analyzed that really well yeah uh, yeah yeah and i and i so it's like it's it's this idea of and i think we explore this throughout the series chester feels really represented in sam you know he doesn't really have a lot of people to look up to in that sense and when you're a kid and you're going through emotions and you have a lot of big emotions, it's kind of hard to categorize what those feelings are. And so I think the series kind of explores Chester feeling something big, like like seeing himself represented and, and being kind of confused about what that is. And I'm wondering, Z, because Wembley, you said something that's so true about this show, about something that we're trying to do in terms of a tone that moves very fluidly between moments that are really poignant and moments that are really funny. In fact, at the end of the clip that you played, I don't know, you're probably going to edit this out, but you hear like a really weird like ringtone come in, like at the end of this super profound scene. And then this other character like literally chip trips over Chester's foot. And and it's sort of like you come out of this like kind of really poignant moment into something that's sort of weird. But that is is really tangible in Zelda. I'm just wondering like if you can sort of explain what where that came from, because it's been such a, a, a kind of a uh, a North Star way of thinking about the show for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that teenagers' kind of language, the way we communicate, it can often go from being so incredibly fun and ridiculous and silly and like we're showing each other stupid videos and then it can go to us discussing like climate change or mortality or depression or something more heavy and then we can switch right back immediately. And I think that we were trying to kind of capture that tone and just show the way that like when you're a teenager topics can shift so quickly from something really light and fun to something really dark and heavy and then back again and that's just kind of the spirit of the show too we wanted to make sure that that was reflected in all our storylines and all our characters i think it's a beautiful beautiful balance thank you i do too (laughs) (laughs) so there's another big arc in this episode with the character Nathan, who I'm very fascinated about because I kind of think there's a, a lacking proper representation of the bisexual community. And in this episode, Nathan ends up getting caught by his twin sister, also very important, I think, um, sexting in church with a boy. But let's talk about this ending, okay? So here's what it sounds like when Chester and Nathan finally meet. Can you take a picture of us? Yeah, one second. Seriously, I just said I was having the worst night of my life. This might be the worst night of your life. Actually, no, that might be when your old youth pastor messages you on Grinder. Okay, we're ready. <laughs> but my point is, for the most part, it only goes up, right? And you should get a picture to remember that you'll never feel that bad again. I'm not really following you. 
That's okay. So right after this, Riley shoots a picture of Chester and Nathan and Greta, which is really funny because the cinematic style of this episode, which I found very fascinating, was seeing all these different people's perspective of the same situation, the same timestamp that happened. And literally all of them had just experienced so much in very separate ways. And then all of a sudden are together on a couch and you get a photograph of their emotion at the time. So... Zelda, I want to know from your perspective, tell us about this ending and why Why would you have chosen this to be the ending of the premiere episode? I mean, something that my dad and I are both very fascinated by when we kind of talk about storytelling and perspective, I mean, it's just the ways that people can experience a situation completely differently based on their headspace and what they're going through at that time. And so, I don't know, you might remember that moment on the couch very differently than someone else would. And that was something we kind of wanted to try and capture in this scene and how these three people have just had such completely different days in such completely different ways. They've all been through something really intense. And now here they are all on this couch together and someone's taking a photo of them. And that photo is posted at the end of the episode, so it kind of exists forever then. And they all would remember that night a little differently, which we see in each of their storylines based on the day that they've just had and their perspectives. And yeah, that was something we were just really interested in kind of capturing, particularly for these three characters. And it was kind of the theme of connectedness, because it is these three characters who are in this moment connected, you know, but are so disconnected. And I think one of the things that you know, has been really interesting that Zelda and I have talked about is how her people of her generation are like so worldly, right? I mean, they know so much more about what is going on in the world than I feel like I ever did. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like I was like learning how to tie my shoe when I was Zelda's age, <laughs> not creating a TV show. But I feel like, um, but it's interesting because they're so worldly on the one hand, but on the other hand, they're also teenagers and really myopic and kind of caught in their own thing. And so that moment of them on the couch was actually sort of where the the pilot began in our minds and thinking about these three characters who would end up in the couch together and be bonded and connected in this moment and that they would have had these really full and rich days and have no idea what is happening to the person literally who is sitting right next to them. Just seemed like a really interesting kind of um, theme and, and something that we wanted to explore about this age group. Yeah, it was done so well. So, so, so well. Thank you. I mean, the yearning, like there's just so like, (laughs) I don't know, but I like, I feel like everyone has been in that situation where you're sitting right next to someone who you are so into and they are just somewhere else. But there's there, you could like, there was a tension that also felt so real too. you know, just the gentle kind of touch of the, the side of the hand and, all of that. So it just, I think you really feel this episode in a lot of different ways. And I think that moment on the couch, like, felt so visceral to me. But I, I want to know when, you know, the screen goes dark, when people go on with their days, like, what do you hope the audience takes away from from this first episode and their introduction to this world and these amazing characters? I think the biggest takeaway from Chester's character that I always think of is um, don't apologize for who you are. I think Chester is a very unapologetic character, and I think that that serves him so incredibly well. And 
I think, yeah, I, I just think it's really interesting how he he's just himself and he is loved for that, not by everybody, but by the people that matter. And I think that that's kind of really important. Something about the pilot that I, I want to stick in people's minds for sure. And off of that, I think, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about loneliness. And I think that I hope with this episode and with many of the episodes that there are people who watching who people who watch and see people on screen who look like them and love like them and maybe don't feel quite as alone in that moment that i think would be like the greatest sign of success for the show um, and I just want gay people to watch it and like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I Dad. say that well. <laughs> and I and I and I sincerely mean that because while yes, I want our audiences to be as diverse as possible, I, I, I really feel like, you know, this show is helmed by queers and there's so many queer people working on this show. And I like the opinion of queer people matters to me the most. And I hope that they see them, like Daniel said, see themselves represented. And like, they're like, that's me. And that's my experience, especially young queer people, because it's very rare that they kind of get shows about them, you know, especially ones as authentic and raw as this one. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to be going on this journey. I think people are going to absolutely love it. I know I do. And Gigi, I know you do as well. Um, but I want to thank you all so much, Zelda, Dan, Justice, um, for, for being here. Um, we can't wait to talk more about what happens in the show. Thank, thank you so you. much for having yes. us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was so fun. So, so nice meeting you all. We will be here Every single week, that is right, every week, breaking down each episode with the show's creators and writers and stars. It's going to be a ball to end them all. I cannot wait to get into this. Thank you all so, so much for being a part of this conversation. It's an honor to meet you all. Can we cheer? Are we allowed to cheer? Generation the Podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by us, Gigi Good and Wembley Sewell. The podcast is produced and written by Phoebe Unter, written and researched by Sierra Kaiser, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Generation the Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 